You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of The Woman King. An evil is coming that threatens our kingdom, our freedom. But we have a weapon. They are not prepared for. The Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Maneska, you are asking me to take them to war. War. Some things are worth fighting for. Don't know. Called to join the king's guard. No kingdom in all of Africa shares this privilege. Train hard, fight harder. We fear no one. And we fear no pain. I offer you a choice fight or we die. Woman King and the story is as follows. Set in the 19th century in the West African kingdom of Dahomey, the Woman King follows the all-female group of warriors, the Agoji, who protect the kingdom. The group's general, Naniska, trains a new generation of warriors to fight against an enemy who wants to destroy their way of life. The film is starring Viola Davis, Tuso Mbedu, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atim, and John Boyega. It is directed by Gina Prince-Bifewood and it is written by Dana Stevens. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Lauren LaMagda. Hello. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Cody Derricks. Hiya. All right. Who here has a PhD in African studies? <laughs> it is not me, unfortunately. Well, seemingly everyone on the internet thinks that they do all of a sudden, it seems like. I'll just say this. I'm going to come right off the bat and just say, I've heard the historical inaccuracies about this story. I totally get it. I think it's interesting to talk about. I think this movie is definitely getting a lot of scrutiny for reasons that I don't want to accuse anyone of anything necessarily, but let's just say that this movie has a higher degree of scrutiny on it than I think uh, a lot of other movies do, and you can infer as to why that is. Uh, But needless to say, I've seen many a historical action epic like Braveheart, The Last Samurai, Troy, that are littered with historical inaccuracies. I have not seen the conversation become as intense as it has been surrounding the Woman King over the last couple of days. 
So I'm not going to pretend on this review that I know what I'm talking about. I don't necessarily. I'm just reviewing the movie here, people. Now, if anybody else here wants to chime in and claim a different stance, all well and good. I'm happy to hear, you know, everyone's opinions on the matter here. But I'm not going to necessarily do any kind of preaching to anybody here. I'm here to just simply talk about the movie that... I saw at the Toronto International Film Festival. I know you guys saw in theaters over the course of this weekend here. And I'm leaving it at that, pure and simple. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all say why there's a higher level of scrutiny on this movie than other historical, you know, um, white-centered movies. I just think that's pretty obvious, and a lot of people are telling on themselves. Yeah, so let's dive in. Uh, Basically, Gina Prince-Bifewood came off of the heels of The Old Guard, uh, which was a Netflix film that uh, also had a lot of action in it. And I think that she took a lot of the lessons that she learned in that movie, transferred them over here to The Woman King, uh, but also to telling a story on screen that we have not seen before. Uh, Those other movies that I mentioned, and like you said, Cody, very white-centric. So to see a studio historical action epic uh, be seen from this perspective of a all black female led strong group of women. Like it's something that for me, regardless of whether or not if the movie was ever going to be good or bad, it felt like just such a novelty and something to celebrate because it's something that I don't think we've ever seen before. So with that said, what did everyone think of it? I guess we could start off first with uh, let's start off with Lauren. Lauren, what did you think of the woman King? I really loved The Woman King. Um, I love historical epics. I love action films, especially when there's really good fight choreography and good female characters in it. And this checked every single one of my good Lauren movie boxes. Um, I think it was grand. I think it really is near an epic, essentially. I loved the story involved. And I think... All of the actresses involved were phenomenal in their roles, and it was just so much fun and inspiring. And just, I keep going back to epic because it really is an epic. So much happens in this film where you really understand the um, the nature of the tribe and the characters and what's going on with their lives, and you feel like you're in their world. And I think that's a it's one of the greatest movies of the year for me, in my opinion. I think it's fantastic, and I can't wait to discuss more in detail why I think that. And it's a historical action epic that is not three hours long. <laughs> that's also a, that's a bonus, yes. All right. Josh Parham, how about you? I also really enjoyed this movie. I, I think that it really strikes a great balance between its action spectacle while also being a really good character piece I, I think all of these characters are so interesting all the performances are great this is actually one of my favorite ensembles of the year i really think not only are there great performances from everybody but they all work really well together and that element really just pulled me into this whole world that i also just think is so well crafted and very entertaining i think i do have hangups a bit with the script I think that's where the biggest issues for the movie lie, especially in like the first maybe 20 minutes or so. I really wasn't like quite on board. And there's some other stuff with the way that other characters are written that I felt was a little a little stale and a little broad. But overall, I just still thought it was a very engaging experience. And at the end of the day, it just really felt like a really nice crowd pleasing kind of a film. Um 
my audience did applaud at certain points, even though there weren't a ton of people at the screening that I went to, but they still applauded like midway through the movie, which I thought was awesome. So yeah, it, it is still a very rousing achievement. And even though it's not perfect, it does have some flaws here or there. I still found myself very captivated by it. And I think it is a pretty, um, a pretty thoroughly entertaining movie. All right. And Cody Derrick's. I completely agree with what Lauren was saying about it feeling epic. This definitely is a very large scale movie in many ways, but also it does not ignore the characters. And I think one of Gene and Prince Bythewood's specialties as a director, we saw this with the old guard and even going back to something like uh, much more contemporary, like love and basketball, there's such specificity of character and character voices and um, like attention that the camera gives each character individually. You really get to know every single main character in this and even some of the really tertiary characters that have only like one or two lines, you come to recognize them and know who they are and know, you know, you can sum up their character in like one or two words, even if they haven't had much dialogue. And I really have to credit Gina Prince Bythewood for that, who I think keeps this very focused and very engaging. Um, and even though it is new in many ways in terms of who it's portraying on screen and where the film takes place, this really is a classic war film. You know, there's a lot of tropes that this fulfills that you see in most war or army movies. There's the old veteran. There's the newcomer who's also the audience surrogate. There's kind of the charming roguish character. There's the right hand man. And all these characters are so familiar to audiences. And I found it really comforting in a way that even though this was showing something that I hadn't seen before on screen in terms of, again, who was portraying, this really was a very classically made film. And I really enjoyed it. My audience also cheered, just like Josh has said, Josh, Josh said, and it also was not a very full audience, unfortunately, on a Thursday night. But given how the reception has been so far from audiences, this, you know, is one of the rare A-plus cinema score movies, which is always exciting to see. I really do think this could be a strong word-of-mouth sleeper hit. Yeah, when I saw it at Toronto, we also got the audience applause midway through and at various points throughout the movie. And then, of course, when it ended, the place just erupted. Uh, I knew right then and there and just based on the overall feelings that I was uh, that I was experiencing uh, when the credits rolled, I knew in my gut I was like, wow, if people show up for this, this could be pretty big. And based on what I'm hearing so far, it hopefully uh, is going to look that way because I think at the end of the day, the most important thing here to celebrate is the fact that because it is such a fresh and new perspective, um, the success of a movie like this uh, will allow for other fresh new perspectives to get greenlit by the major Hollywood studios, which is something that you know I, I want to emphasize here because a lot of the times we do see movies from uh, different perspectives outside of like the white male uh, point of view in the indie uh, system. But the major Hollywood studios like, you know, Sony or Warner Brothers or Paramount, there's still a lot of hesitation. Uh, so they don't like to necessarily tell these types of stories just on a whim. There, there's all these different meetings that go into it. And there's a lot of uh, focus group meetings and marketing and so on and so forth that has to go into figuring out, okay, what's the best way to make this successful? Now, with that said. Hey, hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. 
We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. There are elements of this story that I do think were quote-unquote Hollywoodized to basically make the story more digestible for a broad audience. Whether or not you consider that to be a bad thing is totally up to you. I am of the mindset of in order to basically get this movie greenlit, in order for it to exist, if that's what needs to happen is to kind of cheapen the historical uh, accuracy and make, you know, some of the characters, like you said, like like just a little bit more broad, I guess, and give them dialogue that is something that people can very easily readily understand and not so much complexity and nuance. Although I do think that some characters are afforded that opportunity and deliver great performances because of it. It's a, it's a bit of give and take here. And I'm happy that the movie exists for it. So if we can use that as a blueprint to expand upon that in the future... All, all the better. At the end of the day, this movie works. It's a crowd pleaser. It's got great action. It's got characters that you latch onto emotionally. And it also features, I think, some really uh, good craft here. You know, not necessarily like the best in the world. Um, like, you know, the cinematography, I think, you know, could have been a little bit better. But there were other elements to it, like the costumes, the makeup, the score, the action choreography, as Lauren was saying earlier. Uh, there were a lot of pieces of this movie that I really, really enjoyed quite thoroughly. And in the end of the day, I want to see more movies like this. And as long as that we can, like I said, build upon this in the future, maybe get into some more complex storytelling, I think that this is like a great place to kind of kickstart that if the movie is successful. And like you said, Cody, all factors are indicating that it looks like we're heading that way, hopefully. Yeah, I agree about some of the crafts being a little bit lacking. I particularly was having a big problem with the editing, especially in the first kind of 45 minutes, I want to say, in a lot of the expository moments, there's just a lot of jumpiness and not well-established moments. And it kind of feels like they were looking to cut the movie down and snip corners wherever they could. But as the movie gets on, it's one of those rare movies that gets better the longer it goes on. And the last two battles were super exciting. I had a really good time watching those finales. I'm curious to know, Josh, you said like the first 20 minutes or so were a little tough for you to get into it. Do you think that some of the editing issues that Cody mentions there contributed towards that? I think it's some of that. I also just think that the writing at times just it, it's not the strongest in some places. It, it does feel a bit stale. Um, to me, this is one of those examples where. Like it really does. I think the film does a good job with sort of the overall storytelling, but the story itself sometimes is a little weak for me. Um, 
but I do agree with Cody that as the movie goes on, it feels like it just sort of settles into its world a lot easier. And you start to then connect with more of these characters. And even though they do fulfill some familiar archetypes, it's still pretty well executed, mainly because of those performances. And you just are immediately connecting to these actors inhabiting these roles and you just find yourself invested in their journey. But I do think it takes a little while to find the right rhythm to get into. And that was a little frustrating. But like once you do, you are like fully into the ride at that point. Yeah, I think once the movie really settles in into uh, Nawi's perspective uh played excellently here by uh Tusa Mibedu who people probably I hope would recognize from the Underground Railroad which she was absolutely extraordinary in uh this is her feature film acting debut and <laughs> I I had to like do a double take on that because I thought that she was so great in Underground Railroad that to turn around and treat her like she was a newcomer here uh, would have been a bit of a disservice. But at the same time, I mean, just with these two projects alone, she's already announced herself to be such a force in the acting community uh, and one that I cannot wait to see more of. I mean, I felt that way after Underground Railroad, but now after this, it only crystallized uh, what a young talent she uh, is. I really expected Viola Davis to be great in this movie, I did not expect for uh, Tuso to match her at the level that she would to the point where I was rooting for that character so, so much throughout the course of this movie. And I thought that they just did an amazing job of getting us into that character's perspective and getting us to really care about her as the story progressed. And she's got big moments, too. Like, I think even compared to Viola Davis, who actually plays it a lot more reserved, and that's appropriate for the character that she has. Uh yeah, Nawe has like some really big emotional moments in this movie that like not that I would say surprise me because obviously she's a great actress, but it's it, it really impacts you in a pretty visceral way. And yeah, it's an amazing performance. Um, I have issues with the way that character is written, though, especially yeah. <laughs> with some familial connections. I just thought that was pretty I'm just going to say it dumb. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It actually kind of took away from some of the power of that character. But, you know, in terms of the actual performance, I think it is pretty exceptional. Yeah, there's a lot around revolving around her that is not great. There also is kind of a semi-romantic subplot that I really did not care for. Oh, I did not like that. No. Yeah. I think it eventually kind of worked its way into being thematically appropriate, and I like how it resolved. But when we were starting out with those two characters, I was like, basically like begging the screen, don't, Same. please don't do this, please no. I had, an, I had an audience member say, oh no, don't you dare. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> like we, when that scene happened. And I did get nervous. I'm glad that it happened the way it happened. And I understand why that character is in the film and what his purpose is in it. But I also can see a, this, a version of this film where he's not in it and it's still just as powerful. Right. And I think it speaks to the power for performance that we're still able to go along with what the movie's doing with those unfortunate story moments. And she, you know, makes the best of it and has some really incredible scenes outside of that that really just magnify the character. 
And as an extension to that, too, with Viola Davis, uh, Josh, you mentioned before that she's reserved throughout this. She's steely. She's commanding. She's a powerful uh, presence on screen. What I absolutely loved about her performance in this and why I think it's actually uh, one of her best performances, I would I mean, she's she's obviously got many great performances, but I would put this like in a top 10 is how well that exterior shell that she has starts to slowly crack throughout the movie and she shows those uh, slight moments of emotion and the way that she conveys that uh, subtly is something that really had a tremendous impact on me and I say this because I recognize that the writing around these particular moments was a bit uh, flimsy (laughs) but the way that she was able to kind of push through it and still get me to care about what was going on despite uh, the, like how kind of subpar it all felt and kind of contrived. I thought that was mightily impressive, even for someone at her level. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, as I said, it's the difference between story and storytelling. Cause like the elements of the story, we can have a lot of issues with, but the way that it's presented and specifically in these moments through these performances are pretty impactful. And yeah, like you said, those moments where like Viola Davis will have this very hard shell, but then she has to go away from the group and just suddenly, you know, very subtly expose the more, you know, vulnerability that she has, but not going over the top, even when she's alone, it's, it's really powerful. And even though the, actual elements of the story that it's that we're looking at aren't really that strong it's just the components there to actually showcase the emotions we're supposed to feel from it that is far more successful you know what uh, kind of cracked me up in this and i did not expect this to be a, a talking point at all john boyega's performance in this is almost like akin to watching um like a historical like british drama and you have like the pompous aristocrat but you know obviously still has a bit of a uh, hard edge to them and is uh able to be competent at their job boyega (laughs) it's like it's like he's trying to put on a show for everybody that he is uh this commanding ruler but behind the scenes some of the way that he did some of his line deliveries i just found it to be so funny did anybody else like get that feeling from him I mean, a little bit. I mean, he's a character that's supposed to be a little bit in in flux in terms of how much he should assert his power. So that it does make sense that he's sort of putting on a bit of a front. Um, I, I would also just say that his performance was OK, but I also don't have a problem with it because he shouldn't really be taking away the the spotlight from these other women. So. Like, I never really found myself that engaged by what he was doing, but I also felt like that was sort of the point. Yeah, there was just like certain moments here and there, like little tiny things that he would do, uh, especially in regards to like his many wives that he would have, where I just thought to myself, oh, my gosh, this guy is (laughs) this guy is too much, (laughs) you know? Uh, But I, I mean, like, yes, I agree with what you're saying, though, in regards to the fact that he doesn't like detract from the main uh the main actresses that are around him in this and uh gotta gotta also shout out lashana lynch here who oh yeah yes i I mean i went back and forth on who my mvp for this movie was but i think i finally settled on it being her after a bit because man i just i liked everything that that character represented i love the humanity that she brought to it the strength and also too 
she is so, so, so committed physically, emotionally, I, I mean, spiritually. Like, you can just feel the energy radiating off the screen every single time that she's on it. Yeah, she's one of the first characters to inject a bit of just fun into the movie. You know, the first 15 minutes are a lot of table setting and it's very appropriately serious. And then she comes in and she's so charming and engaging with the main character who also is, again, the audience surrogate that it's really just endearing and it endears the audience to her, which is really necessary for what happens and what her character goes through. And the fact that, too, that like Nawi is you know, this young 19-year-old recruit who sometimes goes out for herself, other times disobeys orders to protect um, her fellow other uh, recruits through some of the rigorous training that they're going through. To have Lashana Lynch's character, uh, Izogi, I think I think her name is, to have her be kind of this uh, nurturing, parental, but yet tough mentor figure for her, uh, was one of the stronger relationships I thought that developed over the course of this movie, especially because the relationship between Nawi and uh, Naniska is one that more slowly develops throughout the course of the film, whereas this one, through the first like two acts, uh, is the one that we're mostly spending a lot of time with. Yeah. Oh. Shawn she is so good in this movie. She is absolutely my, my favorite performance in a very good ensemble. You know, everybody's great in this film, but... I agree with everything that's been said about her. Just that character has just such a compelling presence to her and and that fun energy that Cody said. And even though I kind of feel like you can very much call exactly the fate of that character, like from the minute she is introduced, that wasn't really surprising. But even still, her performance just sold me so much. And every time she was on screen, I was just in utter bliss. And I mean... Yeah, Lashana Lynch, just every time she's in a movie now, she's like one of my favorite parts in it. And I think the predictability of this character's arc kind of highlights Lynch's performance even more. Because mm -hmm. from an experienced watcher, like you can, as Josh says, you can point out, you know, what is the arc of this character? What is the point of her? But Lynch is such a fire of a gem. Like she is such a light in this film that easily turns into like this really dangerous like fire like she says so much behind her eyes when she's not speaking at all and those are the moments that i personally love where she's just you know looking at now we're just like looking ready to fight you see that spirit and that fire where you really understand the what this tribe means to her and what this army means to her and the spirituality of this sisterhood of this army and what it means to be a part of it and it's just so compelling she's definitely my um mvp of this film as well i mean that scene where she has to like put her arm back into place oh, yeah <laughs> god i mean just the badassery the toughness i mean even like just during the fight sequences alone too, the ferocity that she was bringing to it those nails oh <laughs> oh my god i loved it and can we can we got we got to talk about that for a minute too. I actually forgot that this movie was PG thirteen heading into uh, me it. Me too. Thank you. And as I was watching it, I was like, "Wow, this is actually pretty brutal for a PG thirteen movie because all they would have to do is add some blood, you know, in some of these uh, moments of choreography, and it could have easily have been an R rated film." I do think, and I went back and forth on this. I went back and forth on whether or not if I would have preferred it to be an R-rated, gorier film, or was it fine as is? Because as it is, it's still pretty brutal. Like, 
far more brutal than I've seen a lot of other PG-13 films of this kind be in some cases. The only thing, like I said, is you just don't see blood splattering on the screen when somebody gets cut down with a sword. So... I don't know. I, I, I Like I said, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth on it. I don't really know necessarily how I feel. Uh, was it appropriate for you guys? How did you all feel about it? Yeah, I found it to be the word I used was gloriously violent. I also was shocked to see this as PG-13. When I left the theater, you know, I don't really check ratings anymore because I'm, you know, an adult. But <laughs> when I left the theater and I checked the IMDb page and I saw it was PG-13, I was really shocked because this is it's a brutal movie. And I think ne- necessarily brutal. I think it needs to be because, you know, these female warriors are facing men who are underestimating them both on the screen and off. And it really needs to show them to be absolutely, literally fearsome warriors who are not afraid to go there who use every inch of their body as weapons. Again, the Lashana Lynch using her nails as weapons is a really kind of amazing reinterpretation of a very feminine, uh, symbol, which is, you know, long fingernails. And I think it's really just part of the movie's um, purpose is to show them being who they are as explicitly women warriors. They're doing things that men could not do and they need to do it as brutally as possible. Yeah, I I have very similar feelings as you, Matt, about this. And and while I definitely agree that it is definitely brutal in the places that it needs to be, while I was watching the movie, I could definitely tell that they were pulling some punches at, at certain points. You know, when you watch enough movies as, as we do, I think you can kind of sometimes figure out the language of when they're trying to obscure some of the more violent aspects of it. And, you know, for me personally, that could be a little distracting, but at the same time, the spectacle is still so engaging overall that it's really just like nitpicky moments when it you can feel them kind of scaling back the 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 graphic violence, but thematically it still works very well. And you're still impressed by the choreography and the execution of those scenes that it still works overall. And are the fight and stunt choreographer for this film is Daniel Hernandez, who was the fight choreographer on the old guard. And he's from 8711, which is the number one, you know, fight and stunt production company. And they're really good at fight choreography for women. They know how to train their female athletes and they know how to put them in fights. And I love seeing a fight choreographer and a stunt choreographer that really knows how to choreograph a fight where, women are fighting and how to use, you know, the female body to their advantage, even when they're fighting someone who is probably has more brute strength. So it's fun to see a stunt department that really knows, you know, the female body and how they can outsmart their opponent. Yeah. Another thing, too, that I also really appreciate about this movie is that, yes, it's showcasing the women as being extremely powerful and strong and going toe to toe against men. But it's also not afraid to show you know, the fact that this is not a one-sided fight, that they too suffer heavy loss and they also uh, get pretty brutally at times uh, killed by these men. And so as a result, there's heightened stakes involved and it doesn't feel so, I guess, cheap in the way that it is uh, trying to portray these women's uh, strength. It's earned. It's earned strength. Like every fight that they have feels like a well hard fought victory and i think that that also adds to the crowd pleasing element like i know there's like one scene in particular where viola davis who's fueled by a really terrifying and uh tragic backstory uh takes on one particular character in a one-on-one fight where as an audience member you just want to see her cut this guy down 
like so badly. Yeah, my audience was losing at that point. Right, yeah. And I think like just that level of emotional investment and the fact that she has suffered at the hands of this character and it's not so one-sided is something that I think adds a lot to the catharsis of, you know, these victories that come out of it. Yeah, I really appreciated that the depiction of these women very much showed them as strong warriors, but they weren't, you know, completely invincible. Like they right. could be killed and and could suffer these losses. And I, I really did appreciate that because it really then brought a sense of reality and stakes to these moments that, yes, they are uh, they are furious warriors. You know, they're, they're fearsome. They they can be very uh, intimidating, but, you know, they can be killed and there can be real stakes in these moments. And that I really appreciated from a storytelling perspective that they decided to still give them that bit of humanity and and vulnerability. And it really made those sequences uh, sell even harder, knowing that, yeah, they could still die at the end of this. Right. This isn't a Marvel movie where, you know, they're all going to be OK at the end of it. You know, and it, 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 there's a there's a possibility that this could have felt like that one awful moment in Endgame when all the female characters gather together to help Peter Parker. And it really isn't. You know, these are human beings who just happen to be female warriors. Right. Exactly. Uh, another thing, too, I also want to highlight here is um, the way that the movie takes its time to show the culture, the rituals and this is all exemplified by the costumes, the production design, and the music, too. I like that the movie took some time to slow down to not overly explain, but to simply just showcase uh, some of these different rituals that this uh, culture of female warriors uh, would go through sometimes, uh, either pre-battle, after battle, just showcasing their way of life. Yeah, very good attention to detail there in in terms of just creating a world that feels lived in and and has these characters that really just feel connected to the environment that you're watching and yeah the, the filmmaking at at times is not like completely uh revolutionary i will agree but the way that it crafts the world that these characters exist in and the culture that they are um connected to i thought was still very very well done I know I said this like at the top of the show here, but the slave trading aspect here is something that the movie does not completely disregard. It is a major plot point of the movie. I can recognize and understand that some people are saying it's disingenuous that Viola Davis's character, General uh, Naniska, like is pushing for a better alternative and a better way of life with John Boyega's uh, character, the king. And I guess that is, you know, obviously invented to not have us completely turn on these characters for this Hollywood produced movie. But I, I think that some people before they see the film, uh, at least just should should know going in that this movie does not completely abandon that subplot. In fact, it's actually a pretty large focal point of why the plot moves forward, essentially. Yes, it is very much a part of the overall story. And I, I think that there are some snap judgments being made by people who haven't even seen the movie yet. And right. I, I think it is important to recognize that, yes, this is a a very big, glossy Hollywood movie. They are going to pass over some of those 
details of history that aren't super convenient for the story that they're telling. And it's fine to acknowledge that. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. But it's also important to notice that, yes, that is actually a part of the movie. It is a subject that the film does not ignore. It is very much um, integral to the overall story that they are telling. And they do have some wrestling natures with that. And I appreciate the movie bringing that up regardless. Like, could it go in deeper? Could it show the greater complexities? For sure. But that's not also the type of movie that it wants to be. And I think the the film that it does want to be still has a lot of value out there to seek out and create the conversation. It doesn't have to solve every single thing with that issue right now. And I appreciate what people are trying to bring up. But I think at the same time, they're being a little disingenuous in terms of the objectives of what this movie actually is. Yeah, I agree 100%. This is, I feel like people need to remember this is also a movie. Um, this isn't a textbook. This isn't even a documentary. It's not based off of a book or a piece of text. But I I personally really liked the conversations in the film about how different characters have different, have conflicting ideas about what the slave trade means to them and to their tribe and what it means to be an African at this time. I think those are conversations worth talking about because it happened and I think that's important to have within the story and yeah it's mentioned all the time in the film it's not something that is glossed over so I find that take kind of weird and I really do like the different perspectives that these characters have about this really life-changing horrible thing that happened in human history yeah, the fact of the matter is there are very few, if any, time periods or settings throughout history that are not going to have some sort of unsavory element to them. So if you want, as most people who like films purport to want, films that explore underexplored areas and time periods and cultures of history and your historical epics, you're going to run into them. You're going to run into these issues. And I think this movie does probably the best thing you could do with something as unsavory as, you know, depicting a culture that was part of the slave trade, which is face it head on and make it part of the story and make it a plot point to be resolved and something for the characters to overcome rather than ignoring it, which we see plenty of historical epics do. All right. What I want to do now is I do want to get into final thoughts here uh, about the woman King. So anything that we did not mention that you want to bring up or something you want to reiterate. Don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Alright, let's hear first from Josh Parm. Um, I, you know, just one scene actually in particular that I want to mention is like that, uh, that competition scene, uh, to get the King's favor to win that prize. I thought that was so well done. And, yes. Oh my God. When she turned back 
to go into the vines again mm-hmm. with the thorns. Like, oh, I, I honestly, it was hard to look at the screen because I, I kind of think about thorns in movies. And I did not <laughs> care for that. That was very uncomfortable, but still so well done. The, the action was great. And from a character perspective, it was also very revealing. And I feel like there's so much of that infused in, that, in this entire movie. And yes, I do have issues with the screenplay and sort of the way that these characters are written and the emotional conclusions they come to at times but just while you're in it and just watching the spectacle i think it's just really hard not to be engaged by it and i'm so glad that this movie is from a major studio with this cast attached to it and i just find so much value in watching this movie not only from a thematic perspective but just also from a broadly entertaining perspective and it's such a very well done film and i very very much enjoyed it you know what I was thinking of so much when I was watching that uh, sequence was the scene in Wonder Woman 1984 where they have like a similar like competition that opens up the movie. Yeah. And all I could think of was, wow, no visual effects, great storytelling, character investment. This is a million times better. I would agree. All right. Lauren LaMagna, how about you? Oh, so many. Um, I really love the score. I love the costumes in this film from, you know, the court attire to the um, army like attire. I love every single costume in this film. I think they all look fantastic. The guy who plays Malik. Um, hi, I think you're awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, we have issues with the way that character is presented, but um, yes, I, I did appreciate his did appreciate. presence still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you guys know, too, that the guy that he's uh, palling around with is Ray Fiennes' nephew? Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I noticed okay. it said Fiennes in the credits, and I was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like, he, hello again. So, um... <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, yeah, this film is just so entertaining from, I love the stunt choreography. I love the score of the costumes. I think it's so much fun. Viola Davis stops a bullet with a sword, like guys. Um, I think it's great and I love it so much. I hope people see it and see it and see it. And this is, I guess, the year where really buff people get doused in oil and just show off on cinema how buff they are. So I've just played that section of the film with the Top Gun Beach film. Um, I'm having a great year. So <laughs> good times, good times. So, yeah. All right. Cody Derricks. I don't have much more to say. I think I really just want people to go see this movie for themselves. It's a really, like, movie, movie, good time at the movies. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I do think the sc- Terrence Blanchard score was a little bit lacking, unfortunately. I really wanted it to be much more rousing than it was, especially knowing... A, the types of music that you can depict in this type of movie where it's based on where it's set, and B, what Terrence Blanchard can do based on his past work. And it really just kind of left me disappointed, which is a big bummer. But um, we didn't really mention too much about the costumes and makeup, but wow, they're incredible. I mean, everything that's not just the um, more traditionally beautiful garments like all the king's wives are wearing, but also the warrior's outfits are really striking, and they have a good number of them. And yeah, I really could see this getting some attention in in, uh, some of the year-end awards. I'm going to disagree with you on the score there, Cody. I know, I know. (laughs) But but I I will say this. I liked listening to it in the moment. I thought it actually served the movie uh, and the emotions very well in the moment. Here I am now a week after having seen the film. I actually don't remember the score. 
Yeah, it just was kind of standard to me, unfortunately. A little generic, I felt, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's still good. And I, I agree with Matt that I think in the movie it works pretty well. But, yeah, it does feel a little broadly generic to me. And it, it doesn't really have the detail and specificity that some of the other craft elements of the movie have, like the makeup and costume design. What do you guys think of – all right, let me try to dance around this spoiler-wise. But at the end of the movie – I don't know. Is it a spoiler? I don't know. It's tough. Okay, guys, the movie's called The Woman King. <laughs> and John Boyega is the king. So the woman king eventually emerges in this movie. Okay. What did you all think of the way that that part was handled at the end? Because kind of quite frankly, I thought it came a little out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that not necessarily comes out of nowhere, but just is inelegantly presented, I would say. And I felt like that was one of them where it, it sort of felt like the, this required maybe two or three scenes of buildup that just happened in one. And that was a little awkward. But I mean, the emotion behind it, I thought was still believable and the performances were selling it for me so again it's another thing where i don't think the construction of how we got to that moment was all that natural to me but i did appreciate what they were at least going for and i was still invested in the performances and the characters that i could go with it i'll I'll just say this about that i do think that there was a longer cut of this movie that exists that makes it you know obviously more epic due to its runtime so if there ever is like a two and a half hour version of this movie. I'd like to see it to see if some of those gaps can be filled in a little bit better. Uh, Hey, if Ridley Scott can get a director's cut for every single historical action epic he makes, why not Gina Prince Bifewood, right? (laughs) Sure thing. Uh, And then the other thing I also want to mention here too is uh, there is a depiction of rape in this movie for those who haven't seen it yet. So I just wanted to just caution people about that. And that was another element too. And going back to the PG 13 rating where I was kind of uh, shocked that this movie, you know, was getting away with its PG-13 rating because of that. Uh, it's done through flashback and it's not shown explicitly. It's definitely more so implied. But once again, uh, something that I was really taken aback by. And after the movie was over, I was like, I got to check the rating on this thing. What was this rated again? You know, so but for those that, you know, have any kind of trigger warnings or anything like that, uh, just know that uh, heading in. And it's not done in a way that I thought was gratuitous or exploitative in any way. So, no, no, it it is, you know, I I think a lot of credit to the filmmaking for how that was presented in a way that, as you said, did not feel gratuitous at all. Yeah. Uh, Love the dancing at the end of the movie. And I also really love that there are two back to back scenes of well-earned emotion between uh viola davis and uh tuso mibedov uh like they already had the one scene and i was like okay that's great like yes a perfect note to end the movie on but then they had another scene after that and at that point i was like my god this movie's giving me like top gun maverick emotions right now (laughs) yeah I'm getting sent out of the theater on a high. Yeah, uh, yeah, their interactions are so great. There was also another small moment towards the the beginning of the movie when um, now it's sort of like back talking. It's like the first instance of that. And um, Viola Davis, you know, tells her to basically take the sword and 
go chop this dummy and she gives her the sword and it just immediately drops because it's so heavy. Like, yeah. A small moment, but I thought worked so well in terms of just what they were trying to sell with the characters at those moments. And I, I really loved that. Absolutely. Definitely agreed there. Yeah. Overall, I'm a sucker for historical action epics. They're really much my, one of my favorite types of movies. So I already heading into this was like, okay, all you have to do is be good. And I'm probably going to like this. Uh, and sure enough, I thought it was very good at times. There are some patches where I think it definitely stumbles a little bit. And there's also a couple of other areas where I thought some corners were maybe cut, you know, due to this being a major studio Hollywood production. But overall, I can't deny that I was very invested in this in the characters. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the performances that are presented here. And I'm giving it one extra point. Uh, because it feels fresh and exciting to see a movie that, quite frankly, I've never really seen up on screen before. So for me, I'm giving The Woman King a 8 out of 10. Lauren? I'm teetering between two scores because I really, really enjoyed this film. I thought every most parts of it were good. I did personally think it was a little too long, but that's just me nitpicking. Um but yeah, it's really enjoyable. There's a lot of movie in it. So I'm going to also give it a really, really, really strong eight. Love this movie. I hope everyone goes sees it and I hope all the best for it. It's really good, guys. Cody? I'm at a solid seven, which is about what I thought I'd land on with this movie. And it really didn't waver. And I try not to think about what I'm going to grade a movie the entire time. But, you know, it can't help but creep into your head sometimes. And it really was sitting at that level of enjoyment basically the entire time, which is, a you know, a credit to the film. And again, I just want to encourage people to please go see this, not just to support it because it definitely needs it, but also because it deserves to be seen on the big screen. And Josh Parham. I am going to land at an 8 out of 10 for it. I, I was sort of at a 7 for many stretches of it, but it's one of those examples where when it lands, it just really landed so well for me. And I think it has enough of those rousing, entertaining moments that it kind of pushes it up a, a notch for me. The The script is still my biggest issue with it, but I still find myself invested in this world and these characters and the spectacle so much that it, it was enough for me to like really find myself enjoying it all right and then for oscar potential for the woman king uh interesting conversation to have here actually because i think a lot of us heading into this were expecting and deservedly so viola davis to you know announce herself as a best actress contender and i very much think that she's like you know in the top 10 i would not say that she's in the top five for this uh we'll see how the season progresses from there but there's one other element here and granted <laughs> it would be considered category fraud but i think we should consider uh tusa Mabedu for best supporting actress don't you think I definitely do. It would be category fraud. She is ostensibly yeah, she is the, the main lead. character. She's yeah. a protagonist. Yeah. Um, obviously, Viola Davis will get that best actress push because of, you know, she's freaking Viola Davis. But I thought she was really astounding. And it's a, it's a it's a centered character. And she has to, like, sell the movie on herself. And it really is kind of a classic Hollywood moment where if this was a, you know, if this was 20 years ago, this would be a star making performance in, like, a, a typical box office way. Um and the movie rides on her and she does a fantastic job at it. Yeah, she definitely deserves consideration. 
I have doubts of how far that will go because I think of the four acting categories, supporting actress feels like the most crowded right now and just breaking into it, I think would be very difficult, but I mean, yeah, she definitely deserves consideration. Uh, I would love this. I would love it if this movie could get a SAG Ensemble nomination because this mm-hmm. cast is amazing. Absolutely. It truly is. Yeah, that's, I what was gonna say. that's what I was thinking for actors. It's just like I'm not thinking about individual Oscar nominations. I really want the SAG Ensemble to happen with this group. I forgot to mention this earlier, and I apologize. Uh, we didn't mention uh, Sheila Atim in this. She was like another member of the ensemble where she actually has like the least amount of spoken dialogue out of everyone in the group, but just another commanding presence on screen. Someone that, you know, when she was on, whether it was through the action scenes or if she was standing alongside Viola Davis or whatever the case might have been, it just goes to show you, as we were saying here, that this is a true ensemble film where there really isn't that much of a weak link. Yeah, and speaking to SAG, I would be pretty, I don't want to say shocked, but I'm pretty sure Viola Davis can easily get into SAG for this performance. I mean, SAG loves her. She's won three individual film acting awards just herself, not including her television ensemble work. So, and this feels like the kind of performance that, if nowhere else, the SAGs can go for it. Yep, 100% agree. There's also, like, the, uh, the element of the fact that she produced this movie and had such a hand in helping this movie to get made. I mean, without her, this movie would not have been greenlit. So if it is successful at the box office, I definitely think that they're going to want to acknowledge her in either that producing role or that best actress role. And that leads me to this next point of uh, conversation here is if the movie is financially big and word of mouth is huge for it, could you see this landing in a best picture conversation? I mean, anything's possible. It could. Yeah, I feel like best picture right now is in a weird spot it really truly is i thought i would i thought for sure coming out of tiff i would have a better handle on it i got to admit it is still very much in flux it it's definitely gonna be in that like top 15 list i've heard a lot of people bring up the fact that and i hate i i'm sorry i'm so sorry but this is just something that people do they put movies against each other i've heard a lot of people say that oh when wakanda forever comes out that's gonna like pull away from this movie and I think there is a slight degree of truth to that but at the same time that is a sequel this is an original new movie I I can't definitively say one or the other and I do think it is kind of like something like Cody was saying earlier people are kind of telling on themselves a little bit sometimes when they take the two black centric movies you know and they put them up against each other and say there can only be one and it's like, why not both? Yeah, like those are two completely different kinds of movies. I mean, like I understand there's an African perspective, but yeah, if, if you are comparing those two movies in an Oscar race, I, I think that says more about you than the movies. Exactly. So I do think it is a little too early right now to say the picture conversation talk at the moment. We need to see how it performs at the box office. But I definitely could see a world where if it is, you know, done, if it does really well, I mean, it's got Sony behind it. Sony's got money to do a campaign. So anything is really possible at this point. And there's a part of me that also feels that we're heading for a Best Picture lineup this year that is going to lean more towards big theatrical box office movies than the smaller indie films. And this would fit 
very much into the former category. Yeah, especially yeah. if we still have, if we keep having contenders kind of dropping like flies, you know, we saw Bardo and the Sun get receptions that were far outside what we thought they would be. So if room keeps clearing, I don't see why a film like this can't make it in. But then we also have to talk about other things that it can get in for as well. So I don't think director or screenplay would happen, but no. No Oscar nomination for Maria Bello. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Maria Bello. She's uh, She's got like a story credit on this, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, she's actually the one that like presented the story in the first place to the studio. And then Viola Davis came on board. So it actually originated with Maria Bello. That's incredible. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> and like learned about the tribe and thought this would make a great movie. <laughs> which yeah. is incredible. Very weird. Justice for a history of violence. <laughs> Well, yes. Uh, All right. So crafts. What do we think? I mean, to me, costume and makeup are the more likely things I think it could get. Yes. Totally. I agree. I think the next tier is sound and sorry, Cody, but score because I mean, listen, Blanchard pulled that Defy Bloods nomination out of his ass. I still don't know how the hell that happened. Well, the thing is now, I feel like Terrence Blanchard is in that category where he has been ignored by the music branch for so long. And once he got that first nomination for Black Klansman, it's like, okay, well, now you're in the club. And now we're just going to – Right. Everything you do now will be under consideration. It's sort of like with Carter Burwell. Like it took him forever to get that first nomination, and now it's like everything is considered. Yeah. I, that's that's where I am leaning towards as well, and it's part of the reason why I can't fully discount it just yet. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No, I think that's basically what it's going to go for. I think, I, I mean, at this point, I would be a little surprised if it does crack into anything above the line. But we're, as we said, we are still in a very interesting state in the race right now, where things are very, very fluid, and depending on how successful the movie is. I mean, the word of mouth we know is probably going to be strong with that A-plus cinema score. And I- I'm, I'm curious to see if it will land anywhere. There's potential for it, but I'm only saying potential right now. I- I'm not really sold on anything definitively happening for it, but we'll see. All right, well, that'll do it for our review of The Woman King here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Lauren LaMagna, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. You guys can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. Cody Derricks. You can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. And Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.